This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Jordan from Smallville, Batcat Shipper. This is episode 166. My name is Tim, and I'm going to be your host for this episode, and it's actually just going to be me on this one. Yes, I'll be patrolling the streets of Gotham City alone, as unfortunately, Dane wasn't able to make it on this episode. But um, there was a pretty big Batman release this past week, and I've been chomping at the bit to talk about it, so I wanted to make sure I still recorded an episode, even if it's just me um, being able to discuss, which I'm pretty sure you're all able to guess what I'm talking about later on. Um, but before we get into that and some other news stories we got going on, um, as always, we got to kick off the show with our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary. So as always... Go ahead and get your relevant media format out, your DVD player, your HD DVD player, VHS, Betamax, Laserdisc, your Netflix physical media, your Blockbuster video membership card, and of course, your VHS to DVD converter. So if you got all that, we'll go ahead and start at the 114 mark or the hour and 54 minute mark, and we're going to give the countdown in three, two, one, go. As we see Bruce Wayne hanging down from the pit as he didn't make the jump. But I always loved how it just goes straight into that moment from Batman Begins with Thomas Wayne going down the well and offering his hand to say to Bruce, why did we fall? And it's just great callback to Batman Begins. And I always remember the lead up to The Dark Knight Rises, how Christopher Nolan and uh, Jonathan Nolan would say how there would be more connections to Batman Begins in The Dark Knight Rises. And not just, of course, with the League of Shadows stuff, but getting that callback moment with Thomas Wayne there and then how it leads into Bruce making that ultimate climb later on, which we'll get to in a few episodes, I'm sure. But just a great moment and callback here. And also, I also love the theme about Bruce being a, not being afraid of death as the inmate is telling him, you need to be afraid. And then that's the only way you can make the climb like the, cha- like the child to you know fear death in the way you do that to do it without the rope as that is where we end (laughs) this minute on another cliffhanger what is bruce's reaction going to be once he realizes he needs to make the jump without the rope we'll find out next episode (laughs) but that's going to do it for our dark knight rises minute by minute commentary and we can go ahead and move on to our feature topic for this episode which as you could probably tell by the cover art we've had the intro music and if you've been following us on twitter what I've tweeted out <laughs> this past week. It's, of course, going to be the Blu-ray release for Batman the Animated Series. Yes, it's finally here. Um, everyone knows leading up to the release, ever since the first announcement of it, which was pretty sure it was late 2017. I forget where exactly they made that announcement. It was either at like San Diego Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con. It might have been New York Comic-Con last year, if I remember right. But, man, just as soon as they announced it i just couldn't wait to find out when are we going to get it <laughs> i mean because it just said 2018 is when it was coming out and then i wasn't sure if it was going to be early 2018 mid 2018 late 2018 but 
ended up being kind of late 2018, but man, it was worth the wait. (laughs) And once we find out when it was actually coming, I had the date of October 30th marked down on my calendar as far as, you know, when just could not wait for that date to get there. So yeah, it finally came. It's here. I pre-ordered it on Amazon as soon as they officially announced that collector's edition, made sure I wanted to make sure I got it the day it came out. And I was kind of hoping maybe I'd get it a little early because, you know, sometimes when you pre-order things, the exact day they announce it, they may ship it a little early and you get it a few days sooner than expected. But that wasn't the case. Got it Tuesday the 30th, so can't complain too much. But I was hoping, not going to lie. But yeah, man, first off, before going into the specifics about uh, the quality, how the video looks, the sound looks, and some of the special features, I'll get into that. But I guess first off, I'll talk about the packaging and uh, the box, the box and how the disc came, the kind of the extra little um, holographic cards that came with it, the Funko Pop figures, all that stuff that came in the collector's edition. And first off, though, I should say, unfortunately, it sounds like I was one of the lucky few who got the set delivered to me undamaged because I've seen a lot of people I follow on Twitter kind of saying and showing pictures of how they're box set came damaged these are like on the top on the sides of it or on the bottom and all through amazon too and i ordered through amazon as well and mine came in pretty intact without any damages so gotta be thankful for that because i know some other people i follow weren't so fortunate in getting their box set all nice and neatly packaged and just kind of thrown in there which is really a shame because you don't want to get a damaged box of that in the animated series on blu-ray so Hopefully Amazon takes care of those people. I know a lot of them are going to go in or at least uh, try to get exchanges or see what Amazon can do in sending some new versions of it because, yeah, it's really not the way you want to have your box set come. So thankfully that wasn't the case for mine. Um, So once I opened it, I got to be very careful (laughs) as far as making sure I don't damage or bend the box myself. But the contents of it, it it is a nicely packaged set. Um, You've seen the main box art that comes with it that's been making the rounds and photos but taking it out um you get another box that actually contains uh the like the covering for where the discs are at you take you release that covering and that's is where the case for the actual disc are all in and it's kind of in a booklet form it's neatly packaged you every page you turn gives you the episode count of what episodes are on the disc and then you got the new special feature disc that's on there and, of course, the added bonus with this Deluxe Edition set is getting Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero included. So there's uh, different sleeves for those. Um, like, it is nicely organized, but I will say one complaint I have about the set is how the discs are in that sleeve format. It's not where they snap into, like, a jewel case um, type casing. But taking the disc out of the sleeves, which is how the set is designed, it wasn't an easy like smooth takeout where you just take out the disc and that's it it kind of had to struggle a little bit to get it out and where you have to position your hands on the disc where i kind of got fingerprints on it which i wanted to avoid obviously so it is kind of a little bit of a hassle getting the disc out of the actual sleeve um so i just had to make sure i'd be very careful where i put my fingers (laughs) on the sleeves and the actual disc to pull it out because i just wouldn't pull out as smoothly as i would like it but um, one little nitpick there, but hopefully it's something that if, the more I pop the disc out of the sleeve, the easier it will, because <laughs> I know I'm going to be taking the disc out multiple times to watch it. So hopefully it'll just become more smoothly as the more I watch it. So that was just one little complaint that I wish is the packaging for the actual disc was a little better. And then also with that, you get those seven holographic cards um, that I mentioned earlier. Those come in a, a separate packaging that's almost like an envelope. That's pretty cool. And then each side of the card has kind of like some promotional art for the ser- for the series that they released over the years. And then on the flip side, it would say Batman, the animated series with uh, pretty much background layouts of Gotham City that were designed for the show. And both of them look really, really cool. So that was a nice little addition to get. And then also you get the three uh, Funko Pop figures. Um, they're a little smaller than I expected. Maybe uh, they announced that before the actual sizes. I just didn't pay attention to it, but they were a little smaller. I was like, thought they would just be regular Funko Pop size, but that wasn't the case. They still look pretty neat, though. Don't know where I'm going to display them yet, because right now I just still have them in uh, the actual Blu-ray box. They do look neat in there, seeing them above the artwork of the Batman the Animated Series uh, logo, and then the shot of Bat, the classic shot of Batman uh, with the cape, you know, covering his face with the 
cowl in the background. So it does look neat on there. I might keep, just keep them in there for a while. So, um, yeah, that's the packaging for the Blu-ray set. Um, it is a ni- nicely, neatly packaged uh, set that was released with the disc, the holographic cards, and the Funko Pop set. So, like I said, my only nitpick was how the actual discs were packaged in uh, the sleeves and the uh, box that it came with. So, other than that, it was neatly designed and neatly packaged as well. Now, moving on to the main aspect of the Blu-ray set is the video quality. And, of course, this is the main selling feature of getting the animated series on Blu-ray. And you kind of got to be careful with some of these remastered sets about TV shows and movies that are kind of old and they get remastered. Sometimes they're not remastered the best or they don't put too much into the remastering where you can't tell a big difference. But I knew pretty early on that probably wasn't going to be the case with the Batman the Animated Series Blu-ray set. I mean, ever since they released that first bit of footage of the opening sequence and they had it where there was a comparison shot of the original uh, version of the opening side-by-side with the new remastered HD version. And boy, was it night and day <laughs> seeing those comparison videos of just how much they cleaned it up. And it looked amazing just from watching it on YouTube and then hearing some reactions from those who were at um, San Diego Comic-Con this past year, I think it's where they kind of had the coming out party for the Blu-ray set where they announced the release date and they showed that first footage of how it's going to look. And I just remember seeing a really positive reaction from fans there who just were raving about how awesome it looked. So um, I had a feeling it was going to be great, but you never really know for sure until you pop it in your Blu-ray player and see for yourself how the remaster is. And boy, did it not disappoint. Man, it's like those YouTube videos that they release for, they don't do it justice. Just seeing the opening sequence right away, just from the Warner Brothers logo, and how it pans down to the buildings, the bank building, and you see the two thieves. You just know right away you're in for a great new remaster of this classic series. And man, it did not disappoint. I mean, this is just the opening intro. That's all I'm talking about right now. That's how standout of this HD remaster is. It just looked absolutely fantastic. The lighting of it was great. As you see the Batmobile zoom out of the Batcave, and when you see Batman jump down to confront those bank robbers and that fight that ensues, it just couldn't believe what I was thinking. Like, man, this is everything I could have wanted from an HD remaster of the animated series, and I haven't even gotten to an episode yet. <laughs> That's how great it was looking already. And, of course, it closes with the iconic moment of Batman on the rooftop with the lightning striking and causing that great lighting effect. And it just looked even better on Blu-ray. It was a sight to behold. And I know the first, I believe it's the first two seasons or just the first season of Batman the Animated Series was on the DC Universe app where you can watch it in HD. And of course, as I've been saying now, I don't have the DC Universe app because it's not on consoles. So this was my first time experiencing Batman the Animated Series in HD. And uh, I've heard good things from those who have DC, the DC Universe app watching the animated series in HD saying it looked great. But I'm kind of glad I waited in this case to actually not see it until I put the Blu-ray disc in and just having that awesome feeling of seeing Batman the Animated Series in HD for the first time and being blown away just by the intro. So yeah, it was quite the amazing experience. I was really geeking out. Again, just the intro. So now we'll get into some episode specifics. So I haven't watched too many because planning to do another full rewatch. I know I just did one a couple of years ago, but hey, you can never get tired of watching the animated series. And it's going to be like watching it for the first time now, now that it's HD. But definitely had to see how it looks. So I watched a few episodes Uh, right away. I just had to start with On Leather Wings. It just only seems right that that's the first episode. Got to see how that looks. And And that's actually one of the episodes that I was curious to see how it would look in HD because... It is the first one, and it's one that kind of looks the most uh, dated, I guess, as far as uh, the quality is kind of being really... It has that old-time quality to it, which you can kind of lean into as something that it's like a part of its charm, that episode. But at the same time, there was a lot of dust on the film print, that even on the DVD release. So I was curious to see how it would look on in HD. And it still has some of that there. Like I said, it, I think it's part of the episode's charm that it has that old-time look to it. But it was a pretty good, you know, nice cleanup job they did on that episode as well. Um, and seeing it look as better as it ever did. So um, that was nice to see. And then from there, I just kind of went to watch my all-time favorite episodes, 
which of course are Robin's Reckoning, Appointment in Crime Alley. And then of course I had to watch one from the new Batman Adventures since it's a totally different animation style. And of course it's a more recent episodes even though it's now over 20 years of uh, those new batman adventures but i hasn't watched one of those and i picked over the edge and they all looked fantastic i mean i was raving about the intro but seeing actual episodes look like they never looked before was incredible i mean just the colors man they just really pop out at you the bright colors and scenes that you get are the real standouts. Um, I mean, just from episodes that feature Robin, like Robin's Reckoning and Over the Edge, the red color of Robin's suit, man, it just really sticks out at you. Just how the brightness of it and just how clean and crisp it looks. It just was really, really a sight to behold. And yeah, like I said, the best parts of it looks its best when there's kind of like brightly lit scenes. So in episodes like uh, in Over the Edge, uh, especially even the new Batman adventures in general, when you got the red skyline instead of kind of the dark blue or the black, um, those stand out as looking a little better. Because the one negative I will have about the few episodes I did see, um, when it's really dark and really dark scenes, you can kind of tell where some aspects are compressed. Um, it doesn't look as clean and crisp as some other moments do. But it's still something where it looks better than anything we've ever had before with a Batman the Animated Series release. So um, not quite perfect in every shot, but still, it's the best you're going to get right now. And kind of a little nitpick to have when everything else looks as amazing as it does. So yeah, this it's a standout. I mean, it's everything I could have wanted for in uh, <laughs> Batman the Animated Series HD remaster and again I only watched a handful of episodes but I cannot wait to dive into the whole series again and just watch every single one in a whole new experience it's going to be fantastic because they did an amazing job cleaning this up and kind of bringing it to the modern age really I mean it's a classic Bruce Tim art style that we all know and love um, that he created for the series but it always had that timeless look. The only thing that was kind of keeping it dated was, you know, uh, the old picture quality and how how it looked. And now that it's HD, I mean, like I said, if they brought it into modern times with a classic art style, it just looks better than ever. It's amazing. I just can't rave about it enough. They just really did an outstanding job with updating and upscaling the picture quality to HD. It just looks fantastic. It's incredible. Could not be happier with it. And then also, too, for me, what was a nice surprise was how good of a job they did in remastering the sound for it because and all the specs that were released for it even on the box it doesn't say if it was remastered into 5.1 for the sound but man playing it again especially for over the edge where you have all that action into it the surround sound on it was really really good so not only does it look better than ever it sounds better than ever before they did a really good job with the sound mix and just you know the separation on the different uh, sequences that happen with you know you got gunfire dialogue the music it's separated real nicely with the surround sound on the set and that was something the dvds never really had so not only is the picture looking better than ever but the sound is sounding better than ever as well so it really is the complete package when you're talking about upscaling and remastering the whole entire series when it comes to video and audio so both of them are really outstanding so so good so Getting the picture quality and the sound quality remastered in HD was, you know, of course, the biggest selling point of the animated series Blu-ray box set. But um, something I kind of forgot about as the release got closer was the new documentary that was going to be part of the set called um, The Heart of Batman. And I don't know why, because I remember talking about it once they announced the special features list about this documentary. But once I popped it in, I thought, okay, this is probably going to be cool, but man, I'm probably going to end up wishing it was longer because it was going to be some really great insight into the animated series. And then when I popped it in and I hit play and I checked the timer, I was like, oh, shoot, this is an hour and a half. This is a full-length documentary of Batman the Animated Series. Oh, man, I better strap myself in for something really, really cool. And that's exactly what it was. A really, really great, fantastic documentary of my favorite TV show ever. I mean, this is something I've been wanting for a long, long time. And we always got little special feature bonuses on the DVD sets that were like about five minutes long. And we got the audio commentaries. But man, this is a full, in-depth documentary about 
the creation of the show. It's just really great how it was edited, how it was paced, and where it started, where it ended. I mean, of course, I mean, hour and a half is a perfect length for a documentary like this. And of course, I could have watched more of it, <laughs> but they really included everything I I think you would need to to talk about the beginning and the creation of this landmark series. It was just fantastic. I mean, it started off with where you get um, kind of an insight into the crew's past projects like Bruce Tim, Alan Burnett, Eric Radomsky. And then also thing I really liked about this special feature, or this documentary, I should say, is how it included some of the creative talent that you don't really hear too much from or see on the interviews on past special features set. Um, writers and directors like uh, Dick Seabass, who directed my favorite episode, Robin's Reckoning, Frank Parr, and then the executive producer who kind of started this whole thing, Gene McCurdy, who um, was pretty much the one who wanted to get Warner Brothers, the animation TV division started. And hearing her talk about the beginnings of that and you know, meeting Bruce Tim, Eric Radomsky, Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, all those guys, and how they uh, came to be the ones that she chose to be uh, in charge of Batman the Animated Series. This all great stuff and just how uh, the insight to the studios and how getting this new animation division set up, how it all pretty much came down to Steven Spielberg getting involved <laughs> and wanting to do this and get these shows done right, starting with Tiny Toons and how Warner Brothers, the studio, was like, oh, I don't know if creating our own animation division for TV is really going to be worth it. But <laughs> Gene McCurdy kind of spearheaded the uh, campaign to get that going. And boy, did it pay off big time for them, as it's often referred to the golden age of TV animation, especially for Warner Brothers with all the great shows they've had in the 90s. I'm sorry, with Tiny Toons, Batman, the animated series, Animaniac. So good stuff there, just getting that history. And like I said, hearing from the creative talent who worked on the show that you don't get to hear from too often, which is really cool that they were included in this documentary. So all that was great. And I've heard the beginnings of how Batman the Animated Series came to be plenty of times reading online and from uh, the classic book Batman Animated hearing the beginning stories of it but I still love hearing it and then hearing the reflective aspect now that the series is over 25 years old and hearing like Bruce Tim, Alan Burnett and Eric Radomski those who are kind of there for the, the very beginning it just never gets old to me hearing their stories and how it all came to be I just love hearing and just how it all came to be that Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski pretty much had no experience with producing a show. They were just, uh, Bruce Tim was, you know, a storyboard artist and Eric Radomski did, you know, the background uh, designs and they just put that little uh, short intro or kind of like trailer video uh, for the studio to see, you know, what their vision was for the series. And then, you know, after that, Gene McCurdy put him in charge of the show, even though they had no experience how to produce a series. And they're just, I just love how it came from humble beginnings. And then they became legendary producers on a legendary animated series. Uh, so I just love that aspect. And again, I've heard it tons of times, but it was kind of really, I really enjoyed how it was put together and told in this documentary here. Um, could you, giving it the hour and a half length, you just really get to dive in to some of those aspects of the history of Batman the Animated Series longer than you normally get in kind of those short five or to 10 minute documentaries. So it was just really good. And I got to give him props that I would, would have been a little worried that they just combined all the past documentaries and special features into one long one. But thankfully, they didn't do that. All those old special features that were on the DVD are included on this Blu-ray set. But the fact that we get a brand new full-length documentary is just icing on the cake <laughs> to what was already a great set. So it was just really good. And they also go into how um, they built and hired the crew who worked on the animated series. Like I said, we get to hear from um, the writers and directors we don't hear too too often from. And they even go into the censorship of, you know, animation before a Batman animated series came on and how it kind of changed the game. And they were allowed to do the stuff they were were able to do on the series, like having guns and <laughs> punching people where you actually see them get punched and all that type of stuff, breaking glass. So all that going into the obstacles and hurdles they had to overcome, too, as they were working on the show is really great. And then, of course, you move on to after they talk about, you know, the crew and getting, you know, everyone together, the designs, um, and then you move on to the voice cast. And, of course, you know, that would be a highlight of the documentary, and it really was. Um, 
new interviews you get from Kevin Conroy, Lauren Lester, uh, Tara Strong on there, and of course, Andrea Romano shares her thoughts as well. That was all great. Nothing new from Mark Hamill, unfortunately. They just used some old footage, I believe, for um, a little special feature they had for Mask of the Phantasm. If I remember right, I believe it was for HBO that had that Mask of the Phantasm, kind of like an inside look. So it would have been cool to hear Mark Hamill talk about the beginning of how he got involved with the series of from his perspective now, but just glad he was included in there in some way. But so, yeah, it's always good hearing them talking about how they first got the part. But what was really cool is how they showed some, not video footage, but some new photographs of their recording sessions that I've never seen before, which is really, really awesome. I think it was from the almost Gotham recording session where they show each of the actors kind of in their recording booth. They're in the same booth, but they're kind of separated by... Um, these little like cubicle walls and how they would all sit down to record the lines but um, there was a shot where Mark Hamill was the only one standing and then you would hear comments about how out of all the actors he's the only one who had to stand to give his performance as the Joker and just seeing a shot of them all together doing their lines it was just really cool so another great thing about this documentary is getting some new looks and insights that I've never seen before into the making of the series so really really cool stuff then they get into the music and the scoring of the show and talking about Shirley Walker and just what an amazing job she did scoring the music for this show and just how it was kind of something unheard of to use a full orchestra for an animated TV show. It was just unprecedented at the time and just the amazing work she did creating these iconic themes that we all know and love today. So that was a great insight too in getting more um, more into a look as far as how not only the process went to recording, but just how everyone looks back and how amazing it was at that time and hearing Bruce Tim talking about it and Gene McCurdy, just how great Shirley Walker was. It was just really cool to see. So yeah, this documentary was fantastic. And uh, there another one cool thing I had, uh, or I thought that was really cool that I didn't think they have on this documentary. I'm sure I said this on the podcast before, but I don't remember what context or when I said it, but there was always a documentary or not documentary but a news report back in like 92 a few months after the series was premiered it was such a big hit i remember it being fox news doing a special report kind of giving you an inside look into you know warner brothers animation the creators of the show going to the recording process and that's where i found out mark hamill did the voice of the joker and being blown away by that and they didn't have that in this documentary but apparently uh, Fox 11 News wasn't the only ones who had a special report on Batman the Animated Series. Uh, Channel 5, KTLA here in Los Angeles, um, they had a special report too. And they actually had clips of their news anchor going in, you know, Warner Brothers Animation Studio talking to Bruce Tim. They had a little spoof of some guy in a Batman costume pounding and beating up the writers if they didn't give him good dialogue and that, all that type of stuff. So I don't remember seeing that as a kid like I did the Fox News one. But I just think it's awesome that there was probably multiple news reports during that time talking about Batman, the animated series and just how great and groundbreaking it was during that time. It, that's what it just shows to me, just how groundbreaking that series was and just how special it was during that time. And was, people were taking notice of it and just seeing how it was a animated series like none other. So that was cool to see, even though it wasn't the Fox news one. I remember it was just kind of cool to know that there were other news outlets and stations reporting on the great show as well. So, yeah, I mean, Batman, the animated series on Blu-ray did not disappoint from the picture quality to the sound quality. And then just the cherry on top, getting this awesome full length documentary. I can't say enough how great it was. I've, been saying how I would love to have a you know full blown documentary about this, or I should say my personal gr- favorite and greatest TV show of all time. And getting a full length documentary on it was just fantastic, and it was a nice surprise to get because, like I said, I kind of forgot about it. I was just so excited to see how great uh, the picture quality was going to be on the set. So the fact that we got this full blown documentary, I mean, to me that would be the worth of price of admission in itself (laughs) just getting this documentary the heart of batman it was fantastic so yeah i mean i cannot recommend the blu-ray set enough i mean it's the only way to experience batman the animated series now and it's not just on blu-ray of course uh i believe now on itunes they're all remastered to the hd like i said it's on the dc universe app 
And the one other disappointment thing I will say about the box set is how they pushed it back two weeks so you can get digital codes for it. And when I redeemed it, it turns out the digital copies were not in HD. So I was like, oh man, that's really disappointing. <laughs> I mean, they pushed it back two weeks and we don't even get an HD digital copy. But it turns out there was a glitch with um, where you redeemed it on Voodoo. And I know they're trying to fix that. So apparently it's an issue they're working on. And even if you redeemed your code already, it should be somewhere it'll be fixed and you'll be able to experience and get the digital copies in HD, just like the Blu-ray. So um, a minor negative, but it's something that will be fixed. So no issues there. So yeah, the Blu-ray set did not disappoint. If I were to rate it, um, I I want to give it a five out of five. Well, like I said, I had a little nitpick with the packaging and the disc in the sleeves and how it could kind of get your fingerprints on it when you take it out. That does bug me a little bit. And as great as the picture quality is, it's not. It's almost near perfect. But like I said, in those dark scenes where you can tell it's compressed, uh, is noticeable. So um, just for that. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five. And if I can cheat a little bit, maybe I'll go 4.95 out of five. <laughs> Just because I want to give it a higher score than a four and a half, but it's not quite the perfect five because of those little nitpicks. But man, definitely highly recommended. Even if you can't get the Blu-ray, I would recommend just getting the digital copies and just experience it in HD somehow, some way, because it is fantastic. And now once you get the Blu-ray or see it in HD, you won't go back to any other way of watching the animated series. That's how good it looks. So yeah, it was definitely worth the wait. And now just looking forward to watching the entire series all over again in glorious HD. All right, so with that, we can go ahead and get into some of our news and discussion topics from the last two weeks. And it's all going to be movie news and pretty much for three different uh, DC movies that are going to be coming out in the next couple of years. And first up is one that is kind of a bummer as we're going to have to wait a little longer to see the sequel to Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman 1984 as it got pushed back to the summer of 2020. It'll now be releasing on June 5th, 2020 instead of November 1st, 2019. So yeah seven more months <laughs> we're gonna have to wait to see the sequel for wonder woman and i believe it's just because the reasoning for it wasn't anything production related where they had to do massive reshoots or rework the script or anything like that i think warner brothers just felt that um there was an opening in the summer release window where in the november 2019 release window i think it was pretty crowded with some other movies so i'm sure they figured they wanted to have um, the best uh, opportunities to have the movie perform well box office wise so they wanted to go back to the summer release date which of course the first Wonder Woman film was released in June as well and I believe Gal Gadot she's the one uh, who announced it on her Twitter feed where she announced that the Wonder Woman is back where she belongs during the summer and even the Warner Brothers exec said that um, we had tremendous success releasing the first Wonder Woman film during the summer. So when we saw an opportunity to take advantage of the changing competitive landscape, we did. So and yeah, again, uh, it was mentioned that Gal Gadot did say that this move lands the film exactly where it belongs. So it's going to be a bummer that we're going to have to wait a little longer with the new release date. But I'm sure it'll be worth the wait. And this kind of happens before with some of the other uh, earlier DCEU movies. I remember... See, I don't remember from Man of Steel where it changed its date to what we got in 2013, but I do remember they were finished filming with it for a while uh, before the actual the movie came out. And then with Batman vs Superman, we knew that it went from summer of 2015 to March 2016. So we have seen this before. Um, so it should be something that, even though they'll be done filming probably ahead way ahead of time before the movie comes out gives them enough time to have it be polished and exactly how uh, Patty Jenkins wants it to be. So a little bummer, but again, it'll be worth the wait once the movie does come out on June 5th, 2020. And then some other DC movie news regarding uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker film. And it has been confirmed that we will be seeing a young Bruce Wayne and also a younger Alfred is going to be in the movie as uh, some casting announcements came out for that film. It says that uh, Dante uh, Priera Olsen, um, he's going to be playing a young Bruce Wayne, and he is a young child actor. So we are going to be seeing a younger child Bruce in this film. And then also uh, Douglas Hodge uh, is going to be playing a younger Alfred. So um, these are two actors I'm not too familiar with, but um, the main thing I'm just taking away from this is that you know we are going to be seeing a young Bruce here. And again, we talked about this a lot of times with this new Joker movie coming out, how we just got to prepare ourselves for 
a radically different take on just the entire Batman mythos here. And because we're going to be getting the Joker before Bruce Wayne is even considering being Batman because, you know, Thomas Wayne is going to be in the movie and obviously still alive when Bruce is a child at this point. So, again, it's something that uh, when you when you just hear that, I have trouble um accepting that that's going to be a world where joker existed long before batman but again it's something where i'm just going to have to let it go and it could just be part of the the narrative for the story that they're trying to tell here that will end up working really well so just kind of have to wait and see and for those kind of like me who are hung up on (laughs) just certain aspects of the joker batman dynamic um we just got to let that go because we're just getting tons and tons of batman and just dc content out there that you can't have the same thing over and over again. So with all these different projects in the works, uh, you got to expect some things to do uh, some stuff differently. And in this case, it's going to be very different. So uh, we'll all see how it plays out with the story. And I'll be curious to see if they even I'm, tease Batman, but I don't think they're really going to do that. Just, I'm wondering now really where, how is this movie going to end? Are we going to get kind of a flash forward in the future to when there is a Batman and Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is still out there? So that's kind of my biggest question right now, just how is this movie going to end? Or is it, will they do something very drastic where, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, his story ends before Batman even begins <laughs> or uh, th- this young Bruce Wayne will grow up to become Batman, but uh, Joker doesn't play a factor in it. I don't know. Is that the way they're going to go? Or is it going to be something where uh, Joker will come back being a much older version of the Joker than we've seen before once he sees Batman come into the picture? So I uh, kind of a little bit, I'm thinking it could work it where the second season of Telltale's Batman game, where that's kind of how they played Riddler. He was an old time criminal. And then once Batman came into the picture, he decided to make a comeback. And so maybe they'll do something like that with the Joker or just, I don't know if this will get a sequel, but maybe just in the narrative that they have planned, maybe they'll say it in the first film, like, like I said, maybe they'll jump into the future and see what happens with these characters. So it's going to be interesting, but we definitely do know that Bruce Wayne will be in this movie. So um, should be exciting to see how it all plays out. And then lastly, this is something that just happened a few days ago and probably the news I am most excited about. And this is in regards to Black Mass, who's going to be the villain in the Birds of Prey film. Um, He has been cast and it is none other than Ewan McGregor. Yes, Ewan McGregor is officially joining the DC movie universe, and I could not be more excited about it. Um, We've heard his name be mentioned amongst some of the rumored uh, casting choices that Warner Brothers was looking at for this film. Once uh, Black Canary Huntress got cast, I believe Ewan McGregor's name was brought up there. And I am just so glad it came to pass that he is going to be playing Black Mask. This is first reported on The Wrap um, on Thursday, just a few days ago as I'm recording this episode on Saturday, November 3rd. Uh, but the rap was saying that Ewan McGregor was in talks to play uh, Black Mass. But then like an hour or two after that, all the trades were saying that it's pretty much a done deal, like the Hollywood Reporter and Deadline has confirmed that Ewan McGregor will be playing Black Mass. And boy, I cannot wait to see what he brings to the role. Uh, talked about how excited I was that Black Mass was just going to be the villain in this movie, period. But the fact that Ewan McGregor is going to be playing this villain, man, I just anticipated to see this performance because, uh, as you obviously know, uh, I'm a big fan of Ewan McGregor just, of course, from playing Obi-Wan in such a fantastic way. And just other movies that he's done. He's just great in everything um, that he does. But I haven't seen him too much in like the role of a villain, so I'm looking forward to see him play, play this. And I think he can do a great job as Black Mask. I mean, he, he had the great voice and if Black Mass is going to be, you know, wearing that skull mask that I'm hoping he will for most of the movie, just hearing Ewan McGregor with that voice that he has coming out of that mask and doing it more in a villainous way, I think it's going to be really, really cool. And I'm just really also curious how he's going to, uh, what's he's going to bring to this role as far as the personality of Black Mass. And I talked about too how I kind of want a more, um, not so much of an over the top Black Mass that we've got in like the Under the Red Hood movie, but kind of a more, you know, I don't want to say laid back, but someone who's like more terrifying by his actions and that he's not over the top just makes him more scarier, scarier in a way. So I'm um, going to be curious to see if he has if that personality is going to be in his performance as Black Mask or is it going to be kind of that over the top uh, aspect as well. I think there could be a nice balance for both. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I'm just excited that Ewan McGregor 
is going to be in the DC movie universe. He's just such a great actor in everything that he does. And again, the fact that he's now going to be part of the DC movie universe as a villain, I just cannot wait to see that. So it should be really, really fun. And I mean, I get more excited about the birds of prey movie, the more information that comes out about it. So it comes out on February 7th, 2020. So it's going to be a bit of a wait, but like with wonder woman, I think it'll be worth it. Um, it'll be worth the wait once we see uh, actual footage from the movie and the casting pictures as far as the character, the cast in costume. Like, I already couldn't wait to see the cast as the main Birds of Prey in costume, but now, now I can't wait to see Ewan McGregor, how he's going to look as Black Mask. I'm just wondering, too, how much is he going to be wearing that mask? Because you know how it kind of goes with these comic book movies when you get a big name actor they usually like to you know promote their face and not have them in their costume if they wear a mask in certain instances like you see with the iron man posters a lot he's never wearing his iron man mask you always see robert downey jr's in the costume but without the mask so is it going to be something like that with ewan mcgregor's black mask i'm sure there'll be a good portion of the movie where he's not wearing it but i do hope where it counts and when he's full-on villain mode for black mask he's wearing that iconic uh, black mask uh mask <laughs> so uh, hopefully they don't shy away too much from that now that they got a big name actor like Ewan McGregor but it should be great I can't wait to see his performance so yeah that's gonna do it for our news and discussion topics for this episode and that can bring us to our conversation with Alex slash listener feedback and as always Jordan sends us an email and I'll be going ahead and reading that so Jordan begins by saying hey super friends I loved hearing you guys discuss your top five favorite all-time film scores. Mine are number five, Superman, or I should say number five, Superman the movie. Number four, Superman Returns. Number three, Superman 3. Number two, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And number one, Man of Steel. Yes, I know all of mine are from the same franchise, but those are my favorites. So what can I do? By the way, why don't... Or I should say, by the way, while they're not in my top five all-time movie scores, I love Elliot uh, Goldenthal's scores for Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. I think in particular his main Batman theme is super and is one of my favorite things about those two films. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised, Jordan, all your top five scores are from Superman. But what really stood out to me was Superman 3 being your number three choice. And because I got to say, I can't remember the score too much or recall any new themes of from that film i haven't seen it a bunch of times because it's not really one of my favorites so kind of curious what stood out to you about the superman 3 score if there was like a particular theme or a scene where the movies in the movie where the music really stood out to you be curious to hear why that one ranks so high on your list so um but i can't argue with the rest especially with uh, the classic superman score and even superman returns as i was going through that uh, recently getting some tracks off of that for my movie playlist there that was a good soundtrack there's some great moments where like where superman takes lois flying there's a great themes that play there and even some of the moments where super, that one where superman's just sitting up in the sky listening and remembering Jor-El's words and some great pieces of music that plays there too. So good call on that one as well. But Jordan continues saying, the first image of Ruby Rose as Batwoman looks super. Her cowl reminds me a lot of the Dark Knight slash the Dark Knight Rises Batsuit cowl because the Batwoman suit is super similar to the Batman Beyond suit. Seeing a live action version of it for the first time makes me hope even more to see a live action Batman Beyond suit sometime soon. Super pumped for Elseworlds. Yeah, I mean, even... After we got that official release, uh, I believe several actors have been taken to Instagram. Like Melissa Benoist, who plays Supergirl, tweeted a shot of her with Ruby Rose in her Batwoman costume. And it looks even better. So every time you see the suit, it's just looking better and better. And can't wait to actually see it in motion. I think it's going to look great. Um, Jordan continues saying, I'm not familiar with Jack Bannon or Ben Aldridge, but I'm super excited to see what they bring to the respective roles of Alfred and Thomas on Pennyworth. I'm also pumped about the casting of Paloma Faith as villain Bet Sykes. I'm not familiar with Sykes either, and Bent, or Bet isn't a character from the comics, unless this is a Miranda Tate situation where she's revealed to be a comic character using a different alias. But the way the character is described as spirited, sadistic, and sharp-tongued has me super intrigued. Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon have done a super job with casting on Gotham, Sean, Sean Pertwee as Alfred being one of the best examples of that. And I would agree, Jordan Alfred in the show is awesome and almost perfect. So I have the utmost confidence in the casting on Pennyworth. We've had so many super live action Alfreds, 
but Jack will immediately stand out as a unique one given that he's by far the youngest of them all. The fact that we've gotten two live-action Alfreds, Bannon and Pennyworth, and Douglas Hodge and Joker, and two live-action Thomas, Aldridge and Pennyworth, and and Brett Cullen and Joker, cast in such a short period of time just reinforces to me even more just how fortunate we are as DC fans right now that how much live-action content we're getting. I continue to have a pin- continue having to pinch myself almost every day. It's truly a dream come true. I one day only dream of having a landscape of DC content this jam-packed, and now it's a reality. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's kind of the saying I was talking about. Uh, Thomas, or I should say Bruce, a young Bruce Wayne being in Joker. I mean, there's just so much different live-action content we're getting now. Of course, they got to be different here. So sometimes you just got to roll with it and just hope you get a great story that's being told, even though it's different from what you're used to. And Jordan continues saying, I'm super hyped to see what James Gunn brings to Suicide Squad 2. He co-wrote Scooby-Doo and wrote Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, both of which I really enjoy. I will say that I was super excited to see what Gavin O'Connor and Todd uh, Stashwick brought to Task Force X. And while it sounds like they're out and Gunn is starting from scratch, I can't wait to see what Gunn now does with the worst heroes ever. The Reign of the Superman trailer dropped since I wrote my last email, and I was blown away by it. The Death of Superman is my all-time favorite animated movie, so needless to say, my excitement level for the sequel is through the roof. The glimpse of Superboy we got in the trailer, where he winks at some people he saves, makes me think his stuff, the stuff with him is really going to be a blast. When Cyborg Superman tells Lex he is Superman, I get chills. I love that Bibbo is featured prominently in the trailer, as he is one of the highlights of the first film. Cyborg Superman's line at the end about a target being painted on the Earth after the Daily Planet reported Superman's death reminds me of Lex's monologue at the end of Batman v Superman. But the bell has already been rung, and they've heard it out, in the dark among the stars. Ding dong. The god is dead. The bell cannot be unrung. He is hungry. He has found us. And he is coming. (laughs) That's probably the worst Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor impression (laughs) from me right there. Uh, But he goes, well, January 15th, here we come. To clarify, Evangeline Lilly, or I should say before I move on to Jordan, the next part of his email, um, yeah, the Reign of the Superman trailer looks really good. I mean, that was probably the biggest aspect from the Death of Superman story that I felt was missing in Superman Doomsday and why I was so excited about getting this two-part adaption. And it looks like they're delivering on the Reign of the Superman front. All the four different Supermen look great in that trailer and just can't wait to see uh how the story well know how the story plays out from the comics but just how they adapt it and tell it in this animated movie so far it looks like they're doing a great job totally agree with you there jordan but now we continue saying to clarify evangeline lily only made cameos in her four smallville episodes so she didn't have an overarching storyline but her cameos are super cool my favorite is when she shows up in one of my favorite scenes in one of my top 15 episodes of the entire show accelerate She's in the towel and watching the movie behind Clark and Lana. Gotcha. So, yeah, that kind of makes more sense where uh, she just kind of had cameos because if she kind of have a or had an overarching story, probably would have remembered it and remember hearing more about it as Evangeline Lilly got more famous. So thanks for clarifying, Jordan. That makes total sense. But as always, he has a couple of questions uh, he has to wrap up the email. First one, he goes, uh, since I've now brought up Batman Beyond two emails in a row, Tim expressed his love for it, which I totally share last episode and i saw tim bring it up on twitter this week so i thought i'd ask what are your top five favorite episodes of the show mine are number five rebirth number four meltdown number three once burn number two dead man's hand and number one the call all great choices there jordan (laughs) mine are gonna be a little different though for me number five is gonna be your number one the call I mean, how cool is it just seeing a future version of the Justice League with Superman still being the leader? And then just the fact that they're trying to recruit Terry as Batman to join the Justice League is just awesome. Them saying how the Justice League needs a Batman. Just really cool stuff. And then you get into the whole uh, betrayal, I should say, with air quotes. Uh, Don't want to spoil it in case anyone hasn't seen it yet because it is really cool. But the reveal of the villain of what was behind everything was pretty genius. I thought going back to the history of the justice league. So this is a really great story all around the number four. I'm going to go the one from season two called Babel. Um, Shriek is one of my favorite new villains created for Batman beyond. And this was his best episode yet, where he creates these sound waves to, you know, cause, you know, 
people to hear just gibberish. They can't understand each other. And it was just great uh, to see Terry and Bruce work through that. And there was a moment in the beginning where they're working on the Batman Beyond suit. And Bruce is telling them about a situation he had as Batman and a hard choice he had to make. And later on, Terry has to make the same decision and hard choice as Batman for himself to get out of the situation that Shriek has created. He pretty much gives him an ultimatum, you know, Batman's life and I'll return the city back to normal. And Terry goes to confront that and, you know, face that tough choice. And at the end, they have that same discussion, but now it's from Terry's perspective and saying how he went about his making that tough decision. So just great stuff there from one Batman to another. This is why I like it so much. The number three, I'm going to go Blackout. Um, this is from season one in the first appearance of Ink, who she is my favorite new Batman Beyond villain. Uh, great character. Her design is awesome. It is, it's very simple, but it's really, really cool. And she has a great voice for the character, too. All her episodes were just not... I shouldn't say... All of them were good. I was going to say all of them were amongst my favorites. Uh, they're all great, but to varying degrees as far as I would have her last episode probably wouldn't be in my top 10 but her second episode disappearing ink which was kind of near the end of season one that was a great one and this has a really you know crowd pleasing bruce wayne moment as he suits up in the bat suit again which was just awesome i remember seeing that episode and just going oh man this is amazing seeing bruce back in action but blackout is a standout one because this is you know the f- second episode after Rebirth, so this is the first new Batman Beyond villain we were introduced to after Derek Powers, and she became my favorite because of this episode. Like I said, this is a great character design, cool, unique powers, but the episode, the reason this stands above the rest for me is the end sequence where she's in the Batcave trying to kill Bruce and Terry, and ba- Terry's in his Batman costume, so he doesn't, worry, doesn't have to worry about her finding out who he is. But Bruce isn't wearing a costume, so where does he go to to hide his identity? He goes to the Grey Ghost outfit, gets the goggles and the hat on, and that was just a great fanboy moment there. And then just seeing her go around the Batcave, sadly destroying a lot of Bruce's classic trophies and like villain memorabilia there. That was kind of hard to see, but them using the different uh, like weapons to take her down, like the Mr. Freeze gun, it was just awesome. That whole sequence play out was just really, really good. So uh, with Ink being a great character in that end sequence, that's why Blackout's my number three pick. And number two is another one you had on your list, Jordan. I'm going to go with Meltdown. Such a great episode. It was the first one to bring back a classic Batman villain with Mr. Freeze. And it came... It gave his story an ending. It was a tragic one, but it was an ending that fit the character. Kind of what I talked about several episodes ago when I was talking about rewatching the entire Mr. Freeze arc once Sub-Zero came out on Blu-ray and how Meltdown really did feel like a fitting way to end his story. And sadly, there's no other fitting way than for it to be tragic because his whole life was tragic here. So, But in the end, he kind of... Uh, he brought it on himself, but I was going to say he was gonna almost made a self-sacrificing uh, sacrifice in the way he uh, made sure Terry got out and didn't help him. And he kind of just let himself die alone. So even though he brought it on himself, he did kind of go out of his way to save Terry at the end there. So kind of a little bit of a good moment, but <laughs> just an overall great episode that featured a classic Batman villain and uh, giving him a satisfying conclusion. But my number one favorite Batman Beyond episode is going to be out of the pass from season three this episode is amazing this is the one where bruce decides to go into the lazarus pit to become younger again and he does and it was just fantastic seeing a younger bruce wayne work with terry and terry kind of be worried that he's going to take the mantle as batman back again there's great character moments there and the beginning it started off on a fantastic note too with that batman musical play that terry decided to take bruce as like out for a birthday present and it was just hilarious to see batman in the or bruce in the audience seeing them just make a mockery of what he built as batman <laughs> it was just great terry being all into it and just bruce wanting to get out of there which he eventually does walk out which was awesome and then bringing Rachel Gould back into it in the pretty twisted way that I never saw coming. Again, I won't spoil it just in case anyone who hasn't seen Batman Beyond, because I know there's several of them out there, including Dane. I've got to get Dane to watch Batman Beyond. Maybe when that comes out on Blu-ray or gets an HD remaster, I'll get Dane to watch it. But Out of the Past is definitely the standout one for me. Just as 
you know, anyone who grew up watching Batman, the animated series up until Batman Beyond, it almost it doesn't get any better than um, Out of the Past. Because I believe they even played the classic Batman, the animated series theme in like a, rem- in a remix way, which was awesome to see Bruce fight again. So, yeah, Out of the Past is my favorite. But there's tons of great Batman Beyond episodes. And, yeah, speaking of the animated series Blu-ray Watching that just made me think how I want Superman the Animated Series to come out next, and then Batman Beyond. Just get the entire DCAU out there in HD looking as good as Batman the Animated Series. It would be awesome. So, yeah, good call on those questions, Jordan. I always love talking about Batman Beyond. So <laughs> I had to think about picking a definitive top five episode list, and you made me do so. And I'm pretty happy with that list, and those episodes are definitely my standouts. And the second question is, with all of the Pennyworth casting we've been getting, do you think we could see Wilfred or Margaret Pennyworth get cast on the show? I think they would be super cool characters for the show to explore, as they've already established parts of Alfred's history. We could even see Margaret have a young daughter named Barbara. Margaret and Barbara would be a super nice nod to Batman and Robin. Well, um, I wouldn't necessarily want to see a nod to Batman and Robin. <laughs> I know you enjoy aspects of the movie Jordan more than uh, more than most do, but yeah, any reference to Uncle Alfred <laughs> and their bar, I believe it was Barbara Wilson was her last name of that. I could do without that, but um, I do think we probably will see those two characters, Wilfred and Margaret, who are Alfred's siblings here. And if he's going to be a younger Alfred, they probably will throw in some family dynamics in there as well and more obstacles and family drama for him to deal with with his brother and sister there so i think it's pretty likely i don't know if it'll be this season but i bet it'll be something they'll explore in future seasons down the road and as always jordan concludes his email by saying klana forever your super friend jordan as always thank you jordan for sending us another email um looking forward to your next one with some more great questions and hearing your thoughts on some of the stuff i talked about on this one but with that, that's actually going to do it for this episode. Uh, no comic reviews on this one. Um, I believe this past week was the fifth week of... It's one of those months that had five weeks, so no new issue of Batman uh, since our last episode. So um, that's we're going to do without a comic review on this one. So this is going to be one of our shorter episodes with no comic reviews and me going solo out on this one. But um, I still thank you guys for listening. Hope you haven't gotten sick of my voice and rambling about how much I love the Batman the Animated Series Blu-ray. <laughs> Definitely check it out in case I didn't make that clear <laughs> when I was talking about it in my review for it. But... Uh, Oh, yeah, it was just could not be happier with it. So thanks for listening to me rave about how amazing it is. But as always, you can check us out um, at the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or on Twitter at thebatmanuniverse. Um, you can follow me personally uh, at timg311, and you can follow Dane at Dane Says Banana. Then you can follow uh, the Batfans podcast at Batfans Podcast. And if you want to send us an email with any thoughts or questions like Jordan did, you can send us one at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So with that, like we say at the end of every episode, we love each and every one of you with all of our bat and animated hearts. (laughs) So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.